0: for the opening prayer Heavenly Father we thank you for voices that can sing out our faith but we realize that all our voices together cannot begin to convey the wonder and glory and majesty of who you are we thank you for our fellowship of believers united as brethren through your son Jesus he has made our song complete it's a new song in our hearts a song of praise a song of joy a song of love placed within us by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, set us free to sing your praises with joy-filled hearts, with all that we are, with all our minds. Receive now, we pray, this offering of worship, these songs we sing guided by your Spirit, these words we speak from our hearts. Increase the harvest, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, who taught us these words to pray.
1: we learned that life is like playing golf. If you remember, training is required. Training is required for any significant life challenge, including spiritual growth. Learning to think and feel and act like Jesus is at least as demanding as learning to play golf, or training for a marathon, or learning to play the piano. Training to be like Jesus involves arranging your life around activities that enable, to you, that enable you to live in the fruit of the Spirit. Activities like celebration and worship. They are spiritual calisthenics for the soul. Once there was a five-year-old boy who was always ready to celebrate. Who could I be talking about? Sometimes out of the blue, without any notice, a pillow was tossed at me, and I would hear some snickering. Sammy loved pillow fights. (laughs) He loved to be chased around the house. He loved to chase me. And he wouldn't quit. No matter how many times I caught him or pummeled him with a pillow, he would come right back with a lot more. One day, his exuberance was annoying me. Sammy, I said, stop with the pillow stuff and get over here and calm down. Then Sammy asked the most profound question. Why? I didn't have an answer. It was Sunday morning. I had nothing major scheduled to do. No meetings, no power plant breakdown had happened. I was just so used to hurrying and being preoccupied with my own agenda, moving from one task to another, that I didn't notice that right before me, life was dancing right in front of me. And I was missing it. So I took the pillow, (laughs) tossed it back at Sammy, and took off. He screamed and he laughed in sheer delight. It was a great day to chase Dad. And so were many other days. Sammy wasn't filled with self. Life for him at that age was a series of joy opportunities. They really were. That day, my son taught me a lesson about joy, and I needed that lesson. Joy is at the heart of God's plan for humanity, and there's a reason for that. Joy is important to God. Jesus came as a joy bringer. The joy I saw in my young son was just a fraction of the joy that resides in the heart of God. On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that it was good. Now, I'm going to embellish just a little bit. And God probably did a little dance, a dance of joy. And the next day, God said to the light, do it again. And the light did it again, and God danced again for joy. And so it happened every day, right up to the day you were born, right up to this very day it has happened. Sure, we know that Jesus is remembered as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But the sorrow of God like the anger of God is temporary. It's a temporary response to a fallen world. On the day when the world is set right, that sorrow will be banished forever. Joy is the one, or is one of God's basic characteristic traits, and it is also his intent for us. As his creation, his intent is that we should mirror his joy. The psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber." and like a strong man runs its course with joy. This is not merely figurative, figurative picturesque language. These words express God's natural mindset. God knows that his creation is good. It's fantastic. It's products of God's creation, made in His image, we were made to reflect God's passionate joy for life. Okay, this is not an oxymoron, what I'm about to say. God is serious about joy. (laughs) When, (laughs) When the Bible speaks about our need for joy, it teaches us about the particular kind of joy that characterizes God. One day, after teaching on the need for obedience, Jesus told his friends that they should be filled with joy, but not just any kind of joy. Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John chapter 15, verse 11. According to Jesus, we do not yet have enough joy because our joy is incomplete. According to Jesus, we need more. What did Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Scripture puts joy in the non-optional category. This is a command. (laughs) Again, I say rejoice. Why is it that religious people are so prone to to indulge in joylessness? That's a real word, joylessness. How much damage have joyless Christians done to the cause of Christ? How often do people or have people misunderstood God because they attributed to, him, to God the grim, judgmental, defensive, soul-wearying spirit of too many joyless people who call themselves Christians. There is a being in the universe who wants you to live in sorrow, but that being is not God. When you are sad, melancholy, or depressed, That being is pleased because he himself is sad and dismal and miserable. The evil one wants everyone to be like him. Do not underestimate your need for joy. Just listen to the words of Nehemiah, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy creates strength. Joylessness promotes weakness. Living a joyous life has a very negative effect on people. Living without joy has the effect of making sinful actions look good. The joy of the Lord is your strength. If you cut out joy and pleasure from your life, if you view joy, the joy you find in your social life or in your body as unspiritual, then you will find temptation a much stronger lure. The effect will be the weakening of your effort to do what is right. Joyful living is vital to make sin no longer look good to you. Now, I've got a real good example of this. When I drive in Tampa's congested traffic, I notice how... Drivers make rude gestures and I can read their lips at times as they are saying or they are calling other people offensive names. They are joyless people. If they had joy, the gestures and the name calling would stop their bad habits would no longer be appealing because if they had joy, they would not be so angry. The joy of the Lord brings strength to overcome these bad characteristics that, come, that seem to come so naturally when you're far from God. The time has come for you to take joy seriously. Seriously. <laughs> You can become a joyful person. You really can. (laughs) With God's help, it is really possible. The biblical writers would not have commanded joy if joy were not possible. But you just can't pray for joy and expect it to fill your soul like a lightning bolt from heaven. Joyfulness is a skill. You must take the lead. You must take responsibility for your joy, not your friend, not your spouse, not your parent, not your kids, or your boss. Your joy is your responsibility. For some of us, joy does not come easily. You might be joy impaired. I get that way sometimes. But joy can become your way, your typical mannerism. You can learn to have joy. One good way to pursue joy is to practice the spiritual calisthenic of celebration. Celebration was a key activity in the Old Testament. God placed a lot of emphasis on the feast days. Those days were days of celebration we also celebrate. Our celebrations bring pleasure, like when we gather with people whom we love. We eat and drink, sing and dance together. Celebration, or spiritual celebration, means doing activities while reflecting on our wonderful God who has given us such wonderful gifts. And I'm referring to the gifts of the Spirit besides the materialistic gifts that we need to live with. The words of Nehemiah express this spirit of celebration. He commanded the people to set aside a time to enjoy pleasurable things. It would be a holy day, a.k.a. a holiday and they would be eating the choice food. I like that. (laughs) Some translations say, go out and eat the fat. King James ESV, I don't want to eat the fat, (laughs) but I get the point. Eating the choice foods can be every bit as much a spiritual blessing as fasting can be. That's right. If you read between the lines from the prophet Nehemiah, eating the choice food can be just as spiritually fulfilling as going on a fast. Let me make sure you understand that celebration is not hedonism. That's kind of a big word, hedonism. I'll explain it this way: Celebration doesn't demand more and more pleasure for personal gratification, like hedonism is all about. Celebration is different. Celebration is when we see and feel goodness, goodness in the simplest gifts from God. When we find delight each day in something new that we didn't notice yesterday, and when that happens, our capacity for joy. Increases. So what could be the first step you should take to, in, to pursue joy? The first step is simply to begin right now. The psalmist said, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist didn't say Yesterday was God's day. How happy I was then. The psalmist didn't say, tomorrow will be a great day. If I can just make it through today. This day, with all its events, good and bad, is a good day. And with joy, you will realize it's a great day. Far too many people live with the illusion that joy will come someday down the road when conditions change. I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have children. I'll be happy when the children leave home. <laughs> the psalmist said, this is God's day. It is the day God made, a day that was redeemed by the death of, just, of Messiah Jesus. If you want to know joy, Today is the day to have joy. This is the day the Lord has made. But, but, the joy-impaired person says, but how can I embrace joy when all around me the world toils in pain and suffering? People are hurting. (coughs) Is it right to be joyful in a world of hunger and violence? and injustice. Yes, absolutely. It is right to have joy. Often it is the people who are the closest to suffering who have the most powerful joy. You know that's true. Missionaries who serve in impoverished countries see indescribable suffering, yet they glow with joy as they go about their ministry of mercy. True joy is amazing. True joy comes to those who use their lives for more than just personal happiness. True joy can be seen in the lives of ordinary people. It's authentic joy. Authentic joy in the world is always joy in spite of something happening. Authentic joy is defiant in the face of bitterness and resentment. Authentic joy refuses to wither even when there's pain. If you won't rejoice today, it is likely you will never rejoice. If you wait until conditions are perfect, you will still be waiting for the perfect day on the day that you die. If you are going to rejoice, you must figure it out. You must rejoice in this day. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day to rejoice. I like being around joyful people. I'm intentional about being around them. I'm also intentional about staying away from joyless people. They are, I mean the joyless people, they are the black holes of humanity. If you allow them, they will suck the joy right out of you. Have you ever met anybody like that? A young man was attending a wedding. For the first time, he whispered to his friend, Why is the bride dressed in white? His friend answered, Because white is the color of happiness, and this is the happiest day of her life. And the young man thought about this for a moment, and he asked, So why is the groom wearing black? We have to endure joy killers and there are lots of joy killers, but we still need to love them as best we can. But let's be careful not to let them influence us and shape us. We may even need to limit the time we spend with them. We certainly need to restrain their ability to sway our minds the way we think. Listen to this remarkable scripture from proverbs chapter 30 verse um, chapter 15 verse 30 a cheerful look brings joy to the heart <clears throat> in other words smiling people make us feel happy it's a good idea to spend time with life enhancing joy producing people and isn't it wonderful that god has instructed us to observe the Sabbath as a day of rejoicing. It's amazing how it works. The Sabbath is a day when we celebrate Jesus. This is a day when we eat foods that we like to eat, when we listen to music that we enjoy, when we read books that refresh our spirits, This is a day when we like to surround ourselves with beauty, especially the beauty of nature. Spend some time together in fellowship, listening to music that soothes our souls. This is a day when we really enjoy to give thanks to God for His wonderful goodness. Joy seems to infuse our lives, when we reflect on the many gifts that God has given us. He is the giver of every good and perfect gift, as Pastor James wrote in chapter chapter 1, verse 17. It was over 10 years ago when I officiated a wedding ceremony on St. Pete Beach Things didn't go perfectly. It was an outdoor wedding, but it was cold and dreary. It was windy. The couple did not have a wedding rehearsal. I had to direct every move. It was rather awkward. The bride was overwhelmed. I could tell that she had shouldered almost every bit of planning for that special day. Family of the bridegroom flew in from England. The wedding ceremony started one and a half hour behind its schedule. People were uneasy, some were a bit annoyed, but finally the wedding took place. It was too windy for the unity candles to be lit. The couple spent 10 minutes trying to light those candles. (laughs) There were no microphones out there on the beach. And when the bride gave her testimony, only the groom and I could make out what she was saying. But when the groom finally kissed his bride, everybody still cried, as people are expected to do at weddings. And we all were invited inside the reception hall for for dinner. And people rejoiced, even when so much had gone wrong. Because in spite of the problems, the bride still got the the groom. Or should I say the groom still got the bride. (laughs) They got each other. At the end of the day, nothing else mattered. It was a day of rejoicing. Is it possible to be a joyful person in a problem-filled world? Absolutely. There's a wonderful promise given at the, almost at the very end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to Him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and His bride has prepared herself. The joy that is in store for God's people is so great that only the image that can do it justice is the joy between a lover and his beloved. And we have been invited to see the greatest wedding feast this world has ever known. And I wouldn't be surprised to see God dancing with us. His people and joy will be reigning without end. Amen and hallelujah.
2: hallelujah. Of the two, he came with grace and majesty. He is alive. He is alive. God loves us so. See here, his hands, his feet, his Yes.